Hey, welcome into our Top 5 Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We're coming to you from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. I think we've got a pretty good show today. Feeling, feeling good vibes. Yeah. Feeling a big show today. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, in the second hour, it's Tuesday. It's Top 5 Tuesday, as I just mentioned. We will be talking to the Blue Raider voice, Wade kind of representing over there with the with the MTSU hoodie. I had mine on yesterday, you missed it. But um, we're just keeping a good thing going then. Well, you know, it was a good weekend for MTSU on a number of different fronts. So it's it's good to kind of be representing this week in particular. But we're gonna be speaking with the Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters, as we typically do on Tuesday. So he'll be joining us at the top of the three o'clock hour. Later in this hour, in the next segment, as a matter of fact, um, Wade was kind enough to get us in touch with Grizz on Valley voice. Speaking of voices, Pete Pranica is going to join us here at 225, talk a little Memphis Grizzlies and, and NBA. We've got some other NBA fodder mm -hmm. as well over the course of this show. So looking forward to that. Um, Wade, did you see, were you at basketball last night? Yeah, I was. Uh, Giles County girls, their season came to an end, but hats off to Lawrence County as uh, the Lady Wildcats got a 63-33 to win, and they move on to the uh, semifinals, which will be played Friday at Marshall County High School. So, so they, Lawrence County girls and Lawrence County boys both be represented. So they both, they move on to the semifinals and obviously clinch a spot in the upcoming region tournament as well. So big win for Lawrence County, obviously tough loss for Giles County's girls. And that tournament continues tonight, right, with boys? Yes, finals? sir. Uh, as soon as we wrap up here, hitting the road, heading to Murfreesboro, it'll be number two, or excuse me, uh, number three seed Central Magnet hosting Giles County tonight. This is a rematch of a game played last week. And it was a, uh, a rematch, or the third, the trilogy, uh, mm -hmm. will end tonight for one of these teams as uh, both teams won a game in the regular season. So I'm excited. It should be a fun one. The rubber match, yeah. as it were. Um, was this type of struggle expected for Giles County this year? Is this from their move from, from 2A to 3A? What is? You know, I think it was unexpected in the sense in the preseason, there was a lot of uh, curiosity about how the team would uh, try and fill some of the holes after they had that great run last year to the semifinals in, in 2A. And they just promptly went out and won uh, 15, I think, games in, in the first half of the season. And then it was snake bit city since they've gotten into district play mm -hmm. as they've, lost, they've, they've gotten blown out twice by Lawrence County, who's the number one seed. Mm -hmm. uh, so not necessarily uh, shocking in that regard. Uh, but every other game, save for last Friday, they had three really bad games, I would say, in district play. Every other game, win or lose, was decided by 10 points or less. Uh, most of those decided by five points or less. And you just got to think that maybe they're going to turn it around a little bit. Um, the good news, if you turn it around tonight, yes, you get to go to the semifinals. And as you mentioned, most importantly, you get to go to region. Uh, the bad news is if you don't get it turned around tonight, a really talented Giles County team, their season will be done in the region, or excuse me, the district quarterfinals. Tough night, tough night, can be a tough night. We'll see how that one goes, obviously, and we will be discussing some other such games here in the rundown in just a bit. But yeah, again, Pete Pranica here in the next segment, Chip Walters at the top of the three o'clock hour talking MTSU. Also, um, 
Going to talk a little college hoops. Want to mention also, Thursday, we will have CBSSports.com's bracketologist Jerry Palm with us, and we will have him every Thursday from now until Selection Sunday, talking little NCAA tournament projections and that type thing. Excited about that. And again, it's Top 5 Tuesday, so we will be giving you our Top 5 Super Bowl individual performances. Can't imagine how we came up with that topic. Mm, yeah. But yeah. So we will be getting into all of that here in just a bit. Right now, though, we need to give you yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. High school basketball action from Monday night. Christ Presbyterian Academy defeated Pope Prep 51-46. Greenbrier downed White House Heritage 73-47. As Wade just mentioned, Lawrence County with a 63-33 win over Giles County. Lipscomb Academy defeated Brentwood Academy 42-36. McEwen with a 49-44 win over Houston County. Nolansville defeated Independence 61-47. Page with a 59-44 win over Franklin. Portland defeated Macon County 37-35. Ravenwood with a 52-32 win over Centennial. It was Shelbyville 58, Spring Hill 27. Brentwood with a 74-53 win over Summit. And Trousdale County defeated Liberty Creek 47-38. In boys basketball last night, CPA took care of Father Ryan 78-52. Greenbrier was a 64-49 winner versus White House Heritage. Independence wins by 12, 72-60 is your final versus Nolansville. It was Page knocking off Franklin 48-38. Good win for the Patriots there. 47 to 28 was the final score as Portland defeats Macon County. Ravenwood a winner 51 to 27 versus Centennial. Brentwood wins by four. Close game over Summit in uh, that one last night. Trousdale County was a 42 to 34 winner versus Liberty Creek. Station Camp took care of White House last night, 66 to 61. In women's college basketball last night, Tennessee, the Lady Vols with a nice win, 81 to 55 versus Arkansas. And we mentioned Pete's gonna join us in the next segment. Grizzlies fell last night to the Pelicans, uh, hard fought game, but they fall in that one, 96 to 87 was your final in NBA action last night. By the way, Brentwood 51-47 over Summit in that one, you missed the score. Yeah, no, you, you mentioned the game. You oh, mentioned yeah. the outcome. Oh, you just yeah. didn't give the score. Uh, that, uh, that was too much of a tease, I suppose, <laughs> uh, for folks. Yeah, shout out to Brentwood as a nice win for them. Yeah, 51 47. They knock off Summit last there night. There we go. Um, high school basketball doubleheaders tonight. Six o'clock starts for the girls with the guys to follow. Trousdale County is at East Robertson. Merrill Hyde is at Liberty Creek. Girls only games. At six o'clock, Hickman County plays Cheatham County. Kirkwood is at Clarksville Northeast at 7. 6 o'clock start for Middle Tennessee Christian at Ezell Harding. Also Donaldson Christian at Franklin Road Academy. Grace Christian of Franklin goes to Goodpasture at 6. At 7.30, East Hickman plays Harpeth. 6 o'clock start for McGavick and Hunters Lane girls. Also Martin Luther King at Lawson at 6. At 7.30, Lewis County plays Loretto. That will follow the 6 o'clock game between Mount Pleasant and Summertown at Loretto in the District 10-2A tournament. 6 o'clock starts for Nashville Christian at Providence Christian, Hampshire and Santa Fe at Cornersville, and Kenwood at West Creek will play at 7. 
Some boys basketball action tonight. Hunters Lane will travel to Antioch. That game is slated for 7.30. Hampshire will take on Cornersville in a play-in game in their district tournament. Uh, 7.30 also your start time there. Big Sandy will travel to Houston County. That is set for 6 o'clock. Mo and I have talked about it. I'll be at Murfreesboro Central Magnet tonight as Giles County will travel uh, to the borough for a 7 p.m. start. You can also catch that game on Pulaski Citizen Live. Quick plug. Mm -hmm. uh, Spring Hill will travel to Warren County. That game is set for 6.30. Monterey travels to Watertown. That game is set to begin uh, at 7.30 as well. And as we kind of wrap up the rundown here, college basketball doubleheader Tennessee State will travel to Tennessee Tech. That game in Cookville at 5.30 p.m. And in um, Division One, major Division One college basketball at least, Texas A&M travels to Vanderbilt. I don't know if any Memorial Magic is left in the cards this year for the Commodores, uh, but the Doors will come out there. They will host Texas A&M tonight. That game is set for 6 o'clock. It will be broadcast on ESPNU. And the Preds are at home tonight. Big game at 7 on Valley Sports South, and that will be versus the Devils as the Preds are back at home. Maybe sneak out some uh, wins here in the second half of the season. There we go. And that is your rundown. Top story. Brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Be sure and stop through for their delicious daily deli lunch options as well as their hand cut meats. And everything is cost plus 10 at the register at Piggly Wiggly in Neely's Mill in Columbia. Top story. There was a preliminary injunction hearing heard in Greenville, Tennessee of all places as the attorneys general of Tennessee and Virginia taking on the NCAA, trying to keep the college athletics governing organization from enforcing its name, image, and likeness rules as it relates to compensation for athletes as part of an antitrust lawsuit. Um, the plan was for the hearing or a four-hour window had been reserved for the hearing. Mm -hmm. It took less than an hour and a half. I don't know what that means, but it went quickly. So, um, federal judge Clifton Corker said that he will rule in short order on said preliminary injunction that um, the AGs of Tennessee and Virginia requested, but there was no immediate um, ruling by Judge Corker. So we will wait and see what comes up next. Yeah. Uh, like you said, could be something, could be nothing. Uh, the fact that it, that it lasted less than 90 minutes and a couple things uh, jumping out to me in, in the story we've got here from the AP. I love the fact it's, that they noted uh, near the top of the story that an orange power T flag uh, representing Tennessee was hanging from a construction lift uh, kind of right around the courthouse there. So just just happened to be there. Just know? kind of reminding the NCAA whose turf they're on. Stepping, stepping into our neck of the woods, and uh, uh, it should come as no surprise. Obviously, this is public record, but, uh, yeah, we know that it's Judge Clifton Corker. Uh, 
How many Google searches in Knoxville uh, from the moment that he was assigned to this case uh, do you think went up on the history, uh, maybe where he went to high school, what sort of you know trouble he got in as a, as a youth? Uh, the Vols fans are known for their sleuthing on the internet, and I feel like yeah, uh, Judge where, Corker. Where he went to school, yeah. that kind of thing. So um, They will dig up the dirt on uh, Judge Corker, but it does feel like this is kind of yeah setting the table for what's, what's still to come. And... Um, I mean, that's, that's big news out of Greenville now that the uh, football season is ended for the Green Devils up there. You know, that's probably some of the bigger news they've had in the community in it a while. It probably is some of the bigger news they've had in a while. That's, um, it's interesting to have something like that land in your backyard. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of interest, particularly in East Tennessee, in that. So, um, and we'll be keeping up with it as well. Also, Wade... Um, we spoke on this show a few weeks ago about the relationship between Eldrick Woods, most of y'all know him as Tiger, and Nike coming to an end. Today it was announced that Tiger has a new clothing line. Sunday Red, which is fitting. Yeah. It's three words. Sunday Red um, will be his new clothing brand um, through TaylorMade. So it's um, big news, new logo, interesting looking logo when you um, Google it. That's okay. So it's a tiger, right? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, as as presented, presen it, is, yeah. it is a tiger. Does look like a tiger. It is not necessarily. Uh, you know, the internet obviously does what the internet does. <laughs> Some were, you know, taking quick dunks on a uh, tiger there. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're not going to dunk. We're just going to we report. You decide. Go look it up and see what you come up with. But yeah, um, he's you know, and he's playing in the Genesis this weekend, so he'll have a chance to uh, model. I mean. Obviously, very unlikely that, but could you imagine the sales potentially on that stuff if he does uh, leap up into contention going into Sunday somehow? And play on, sun, on Sunday? Yeah. Man. Um, it is a little sad, obviously, because you just are, uh, always have that association with Tiger and Nike, and I'm a, I'm a Nike guy. I love Tiger, sure. and it just felt a little just kind of like a little bit of my childhood and youth was kind of just robbed of me when, when they depart. But uh, and, I mean, and time I, goes on, right? And I guess the, the TW is gone. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate. The Tiger logo has 15 stripes. Okay. One for each of his 15 major championships. Hello. Little, uh, little, little reminder. I've done a little something. Kind of catchy logo. The picture I'm looking at, uh, he looks looks pretty sharp. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go rush out to buy any uh, just yet, um, but looks pretty looks pretty sweet. And I'm not going to make the joke that the internet was making. Uh, but if I were to make that joke, they would point out that if you turn the logo sideways, it looks like a spine that's kind of out of order, the vertebrae perhaps. And so. I'm not going to make that point or that joke, but if I were, I was just, just reporting what was kind of going around on the web last night. I, I, we didn't say it. We just repeated it. Yeah. yeah. 
The word mark appears as three words for a simple reason. There is a special power in threes. Calling it Sunday Red was a fun way for us to create something completely different and unexpected. Born from a love for being outside in the sun, the joy of playing golf during the day, and a special red being the brand's power color as, sun, as soon as Sunday Red was placed on a garment for the first time. It just looked perfect. That was Tiger's comment on the Sunday Red website. Which is going to be produced by TaylorMade, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, as we're reading here on CBS, I mean, talk about a boon for them. Um, you could throw Tiger in the mix, and he's still got that power, right? He's still got that draw. If he does uh, make the cut, if he certainly is in contention on Sunday, I mean, again, sales, but also television race, he still just moves the needle like he, nobody else. And, you know, like it or not, that's a fact. He moves the needle. And if he's playing, you're going to watch. You know, whether you're watching to see how well he does, whether you're watching to root for him to do poorly, you're going to watch. And so, like you said, this is huge for TaylorMade. They're, they're the real winners in this whole thing. I, I think, think so, so, yeah. Yeah. It is, um, gonna, like I said, it is uh, and CBS points this out, too. It's going to look a little different, no doubt. It's going to look a lot different. Um, but I think we could get used to it. And I hope we get to see him wearing it more in the sense that we're going to get to see him playing more. Obviously, physical limitations kind of getting the better of him as he's getting older and older. But, uh, man, it's, it's still fun to watch the guy move around, and hopefully we get a good tournament, good showing this weekend. Yeah, I think he's kind of picking his spots, obviously, mm -hmm. just for his – in light of his physical limitations. But um, clearly we're going to see him on the links and looking forward to that, obviously. So, um, Wade, let's go ahead and go to a break here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. And when we come back, we should be joined in short order by Pete Pranica, the Valley sports voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, talking little hoops. We come back right here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. 
Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. We thrive under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to the Top 5 Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton. Time to talk a little Grizzlies. And as we mentioned in the rundown, coming off a tough road loss last night, they are. But um, going to get a little insight into that from the Bally voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Pete Pranica, joining us now. Pete, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Appreciate you taking some time with us, man. Um, take us through last night and kind of take us through where the Grizzlies are right now with as many players not available as available. Yeah, it, it's been a real rough time for the Grizzlies this year. They've used 25 different players, 31 different starting lineups, uh, signed Jordan Goodwin to a 10-day deal today. Uh, and the Grizzlies also getting up against it with their two-way players um, Jacob Gilliard, two-way player playing for the Memphis Hustle and for the Grizzlies. Two-way players, if you have them from the start of the season, <clears throat> excuse me, you could have them for 50 games active. Well, he's getting close to 50 games. Um, so he had to be inactive last night. And Scottie Pippen Jr. was the only point guard available for the Grizzlies last night. And he gets a sore back in the middle of the game. It's been that kind of year for the Grizzlies. It, it kind of encapsulates the way the season has gone. Didn't shoot the ball real well. They forced some turnovers early from New Orleans, but just didn't shoot the ball very well. They did get some uh, production from guys like Trey Jemison, who was originally signed as a 10-day, now signed as a two-way player. Um, also, Lamar Stevens, who came over in the Xavier Tillman trade, uh, gave some good energy. And Yuta Watanabe returns to the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, didn't shoot the ball well from distance, but did bring some energy. It's just been a situation where the – only there's a the, the five man lineup that has played the most minutes together. It's totaled 68 minutes. 
And that lineup included Xavier Tillman, who's not with the team anymore. To just to give you a sense of how many moving pieces there have been for this basketball team this season. And so with all of that, no great surprise that last night's loss was, what, the fifth straight from Memphis? <laughs> oh, I, I, I wish it was only the fifth. It was the ninth. Ninth straight loss? Oh, good Lord. Um. Not exactly what folks expected at the season's onset, even with the early season suspension of John Morant, who has been back and is now out with the shoulder injury. Um, Steven Adams, who never got on the floor this year and has since been traded. I mean, everything that could go wrong for this team has gone wrong for this team. Is that fair to say, Pete? Yeah, that's pretty much been the case. And the injuries have been a lot of freak injuries Desmond Bain steps on a foot. Uh, Marcus Smart steps on a foot. Kyrie Irving chops down on his hand, dislocates his finger. It's It's been that kind of year. And, you know, Jake LaRavia came back after being out with a corneal abrasion, and he's on the floor for two minutes of playing the New York Knicks and steps on somebody's foot. You know, it, it's just been a season where it's been a lot of accidental injuries. It hasn't been overuse. It hasn't been anything other than just plain old bad luck. And at this point, the Grizzlies are so far out of even thinking about a playoff berth that right now they're going to be very conservative, bringing guys back. You know, Desmond Bain, uh, I don't know what the timetable is. Initially, it was the six weeks reevaluation coming uh, around to that point in time. But the Grizzlies aren't going to rush him back because at this point, um, you know, you're, you're just thinking more about next season. And that's what the Grizzlies are trying to do. They're bringing in a, a bunch of wings, trying to figure out who's going to pair best with Morant and Bain and Jaron going ahead next season. Yeah, and that seems to be kind of the focus, uh, I think, down the stretch here is, is maybe talent evaluation, Pete. And I guess I'm curious, from your perspective, uh, who are maybe some of these, these newer Grizzlies that maybe have a chance to potentially, during this little run here, make a little impression and, and find their way on the roster next year? Well, you know, I, I'm going to start with Yuta because he has some institutional knowledge of the Grizzlies and is, is familiar with the franchise and is a much improved player from the days when he was with Memphis with his stops in Brooklyn and in Phoenix. So uh, I, I think there's potential there for him because he's a good two-way player, good defensively, um, struggled with the three ball last night, only one of seven, but he does have the ability to shoot 40% or better from three. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Lamar Stevens. I mean, he came on the floor last night and did a lot of good things. You know, is that an outlier or is that the performance that the Grizzlies can expect from him? Uh, those, those are two guys that I'm really, really curious about because they're on regular NBA contracts. Mm -hmm. Trey Jemison, meanwhile, he is on a two-way. So, you know, there's an opportunity to develop him there uh, with the Memphis Hustle in addition to playing NBA minutes with the Grizzlies. Pete Pranica, Valley Voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Pete, Memphis has never really been in this situation before, or it's been a while since they've been in this situation where they had relatively high expectations for this team and have suddenly had to kind of drop back and punt. How, how is everyone involved with this embracing this you know, talent evaluation phase? I think everybody's in, in a good frame of mind. I mean, as, as good a frame of mind as you can be to have put out the most different starting lineups in the NBA this season. The young guys are looking at it as an opportunity. Um, 
you know, the Grizzlies are going to have three guys next year on max or near max deals with Bain and Jackson and Morant. So you are looking for younger players who are going to come in at a lower salary level and hopefully that, that they can blossom. And the Grizzlies have had it as part of their cultural ethos to really work on player development. And Anthony Carter came from the Miami Heat where he did a remarkable job developing talent for them. Undrafted guys helping them to an NBA Finals appearance a year ago. And the hope is that they can continue to do that again. And when you look at, you know, Gigi Jackson dropped all the way down, I think, to 45th in the NBA draft. Grizzlies uh, have gotten tremendous performances out of him. Uh, the Grizzlies have had a history of finding guys at the tail end of the draft, Vince Williams Jr. being another example, and getting them from being two-way players into full NBA contracts. And so, you know, the talent evaluation the Grizzlies have done in the past has been really, really good. Uh, their talent uh, development has also been really good. So they're hoping that they might strike it rich again with a couple more. But I think, you know, the Vince Williams piece is, is something that really bears mentioning. Here's a guy last year barely played with the Grizzlies, didn't shoot the ball real well. This year he's become a real lockdown defender and a very good offensive threat as well. And it, it's something that, you know, the Grizzlies didn't really even anticipate him being a major part of their plans. He was a two-way player. Well, now he's got a full NBA contract and he's been starting. And uh, I think it's 13 straight games now in double figures and having himself a career year. You know, with the Stephen Adams situation at the beginning of the year, it was kind of obvious that Jaron Jackson Jr. was probably going to be the most affected by that because he was going to be asked to do a lot of stuff that isn't typically in his wheelhouse. How was he, how is he making that transition? Is, is he going to be more of a bona fide post player than he has been? How does that work out for him? Well, I don't think he's, he's going to be a, a post player necessarily. I mean, we had Xavier Tillman through the first part of the season, um, but he is playing more five. There's no doubt about that. But Taylor Jenkins talks about positionless basketball. I think the key for Jaron is he's not going to be a traditional post-up player, but he does have to be a downhill player, does need to be a slasher, set up his three-point shot that way. Um, we've seen him be among the league leaders of hook shots made, so he can play with his back to the basket. His game is so multifaceted that he, he can do a lot of different things. I think ideally, uh, if the Grizzlies could get a big, and you know, is that Trey Jemison down the line? I don't know. Is there somebody else? Maybe you get in the offseason that can really play the five so Jaron can play his natural position, which is the four. I think, I think that would be uh, the ideal setup for the Grizzlies going forward. Pete, I got to ask you, I'm going to announce a high school basketball game tonight where I've uh, had the same lineup basically all 20 plus games. For you as a, a, a guy that's done this for such a long time, how are you, how do you prep when you no, don't know necessarily who might even be on the team on a day-to-day -day basis, let alone who might be in the starting five or the heavy rotation? Uh, you just, you just prepare for everybody because you, you just don't know. Um, you know, Scotty Pippen Jr. had gone from starting to being inactive and Taylor Jenkins was asked about that last night. Well, the fact of the matter is Scotty's availability as a two-way player is prorated. You know, if you have a two-way player from the start of the season, you get him for 50 games active. Well, Scotty signed midway through the season, so you don't have him for 50 games. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a revolving door, but you just prepare for everybody. And, and, you know, the chart gets a lot longer, and you hope it somehow fits on the desk. And, uh, you know, you just, you just have to be ready for anything and everything and because – Anything can happen. We've, we've certainly seen that. Like I said, 
I think we've had 18 different guys start a game, mm-hmm. 25 different guys play in 31 different lineups. It's uh, It's been a challenge. Yeah, you're definitely uh, committed to the craft if you can pull that off like you do on a, a nightly basis. Hey, kind of just real quickly, big picture. I'm looking at the Western Conference standings. Um, are the Timberwolves going to be there down the stretch? I kind of kept waiting for this thing to maybe tail off, and these guys just keep winning games. Uh, I, I guess maybe evaluate them, and who's – who are some other folks that you're looking at in the West maybe to really make some noise outside of obviously Denver or potentially the Clippers? I, I think Minnesota's legit. I think the one issue with them is now they got Monte Morris to be a backup point guard, which they really needed, but they don't have the playoff experience. They don't have all the playoff scars that some of the other teams do. Uh, and speaking of playoff scars, you mentioned the Clippers. I like the Clippers. I mean, now they are very long in the tooth age-wise, but they figured out a way for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard um, and James Harden to play together. Zubats is a very, very good five. So I, I think if they can kind of get over all the heartbreak, I think they can be very dangerous in the playoffs. Pete, I'm, I'm curious. I've, I've covered minor league baseball in another life for a long time. The, the two-way situation, you said if a guy is on your roster – at the start of this, on the Hustles roster at the start of the season, he can play 50 games? Is that, did I understand that right? Yeah, if, if they're signed to a two-way contract, okay. uh, yeah, then they can, they can be active for 50 games with the big club. That's, if you have, if you have them on a two-way at the start of the season, if you sign them later in the season, then it becomes prorated. Then it's prorated. Then it's yeah. whatever 50 of 82 over however many games you had him signed for. Yeah, I don't know exactly what yeah. the computation is, but uh, yeah. it, it, it is prorating, sure. That's, that's wild. And so that's something that the coach and the general manager, I guess, have to kind of have to deal with on a... Yeah, they've, they've, they've got to figure it out. I mean, you know that you only have uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. for a certain number of games, and Taylor Jenkins talked about it. He said, well, we signed Scotty when we had 40 games left in the season, but he doesn't have 40 games of NBA eligibility uh, the rest of the season. And so that's why you've seen this rotation. So like Jacob Gilliard, one game he starts, last night he was inactive. Last, uh, you know, Pippen starts one game, he was inactive. And so they've been, been kind of flipping back and forth. And so uh, if you ask me who's starting a point guard tomorrow, I have no idea. We'll, we'll, we'll find out tomorrow. That's, that's kind of the fun part, to show up and, uh, and see. I guess, and, right? and see, yeah. And I guess that's what you sell, sell to your fans. Come and see who plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, the guys, the guys were entertaining, and, and you're, you're seeing young guys that are really battling for spots in an NBA rotation. And, you know, the Grizzlies down 25. You think the game's, game's over, and all of a sudden they cut it down to five because Taylor Jenkins says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all these young guys in. I'm going to put in Lamar Stevens, who hasn't played for us yet. I'm going to put in Yuta Watanabe, who hasn't played for us yet. Trey Jemison's, you know, on a two-way contract. I'm going to put these guys in. And lo and behold, they produced and, and got the crowd on their feet and uh, definitely threw a scare into the Pelicans down the stretch. That's pretty wild. Um, obviously, with the season that Memphis has had to this point, no representation on the All-Star team. Is that right? Not on the all-star team, but Vince Williams Jr. is an injury replacement in the uh, Panini Rising Stars game, which is matchup of um, G League players and also first and second year uh, NBA players. So he will participate in that. He's the lone representative for Memphis at the all-star weekend in Indianapolis. 
That's tough. But, um, you know, I guess it, at least it's not like the, the Major League Baseball All-Star game where everyone is represented and you wind up having to force somebody mm -hmm. on there that doesn't necessarily deserve to be. This is more reflective of real life. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Pete Pranica, the Bally Sports voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Pete, man, we appreciate your time and good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break and uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell. No doubt. Thank you, Pete. And when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, we're going to look at some college hoops. We've got um, the most recent top 25 polls on both the men's and women's side and more. So stay tuned here from the Lee Company Studios when we come back. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
Welcome back to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. We're going to talk a little college hoops here as the men's and women's Associated Press Top 25s came out yesterday, as they typically do on Mondays, and very little movement in either of those. UConn still number one on the men's side, Purdue at two. Um, I guess Kansas fell from third to sixth um, in anticipation of their loss at mm. Texas Tech, I guess. That, um, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch that game, but I uh, was keeping tabs on it a little bit on GameCast. And yeah, it just sounded like Kansas almost either didn't play that great to begin with or they just walked into a straight up buzzsaw. I think it sounds kind of like it was a combination of the two, but you know, you've been seeing that a lot on the road across college basketball. Mm -hmm. I mean, look no further than College Station on Saturday night. Yep. Speaking of buzzsaws. But um, what's crazy about this, though, is Kansas falls from three to six, and who takes their place? Houston, who mm -hmm. Kansas just beat, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yep. So that it, I think it just really kind of speaks to the topsy-turviness of college basketball this year in particular, Marquette and Arizona rounding out the top five. Um, Kansas, Carolina, Tennessee slips two more spots to eight following that loss at Texas A&M on Saturday. Duke's at nine, same spot as a week ago. Iowa State finishes out the top 10. South Carolina, at some point, they gotta start getting a little national attention for what they're doing here. They are up to number 11, 21, 21 and three. three. That is that is mind blowing, and it did, uh, I think on this show you we just they were predicted last in the SEC. Is that I, right? I believe so. Somebody missed badly on that. Um, the Gamecocks eleven, Baylor, Auburn, Illinois, and Alabama twelve through fifteen, followed by Dayton, Dayton and Creighton. At 16 and 17. I like now. I like that. Somebody yeah. was having fun on their polls there. Mm -hmm. St. Mary's at 18. BYU, Wisconsin, Virginia, Kentucky. Joe Sullivan will be happy when we have him on tomorrow because Indiana State cracks the top 25 coming in at 23. The Sycamores 22 and 3 this week. One spot ahead of Florida Atlantic. Oklahoma closing out the top 25. Thoughts? Thoughts were on this program last week, we were sitting here and if if Tennessee had kind of maybe taken care of business Saturday, maybe they slide back up into the top 25. Uh, the top we, five. The top five, excuse me, yes. Yeah. And so we also talked about uh, Kentucky, obviously, and their woes that they have had. And, you know, they're one of the biggest drops of the entire week. Wisconsin drops nine spots. Uh, after they got beat by the my lowly Michigan Wolverines, only good for one or two decent wins this year, and they picked uh, a great time to get it. They knocked off Wisconsin. They dropped nine. But, yeah, Kentucky kind of seems like they're in a, a crazy bit of funk right now. And then uh, Gonzaga, I thought Gonzaga might sneak up a little higher. They're kind of firmly in the middle of that receiving votes. Um, but then you flip over, and I've kind of got the – Two poles pulled up side by side. Mm -hmm. Indiana State, yeah, and Colorado State is also uh, the 25th team in the coaches' poll. So okay. kind of nice to see a little diversity and just kind of, I think, is setting the stage that I, I 
maybe not quite as chaotic as last year, but I feel like we're in for another really just wild tournament this year. I think Florida Atlantic in their run last year really opened some folks' eyes to mid-majors because, I mean, again, Dayton, Creighton, and St. Mary's sitting right there at mm -hmm. 16, 17, and 18, and, you know, Indiana State and Florida Atlantic also in the top 25. I mean, I, I think that's kind of cool to see mid-majors getting that kind of attention and not just at the bottom end, but in the middle of the pole with those three right there. So, And, you know, and, and uh, we talked about Indiana State and how cool it would be. Obviously, you kind of, if you're rooting for them, which I think a lot of people are, you know, they just go ahead and take care of business and win the league and win the tournament and get in. But this maybe builds you a little credibility. Maybe, maybe not, but I feel to me at least feels like, I mean, what else are we supposed to do? We were ranked, you know, we <laughs> – Say they finish the regular season or the run all the way to the finals and they lose, that'd only be their fourth loss. You know, they got a, a pretty solid little resume for a mid-major. Would be kind of disappointing, but I kind of like seeing a squad like Indiana State, Colorado State's getting some love, St. Mary's and BYU, uh, although BYU now uh, in, the Big in the Big 12 being mm -hmm. a little bit more of a quote-unquote household name. But I kind of like what I'm seeing, but you go back to your point with South Carolina. At some point, this kind of just becomes just – this ain't really a crazy Cinderella story so no. much as these guys no, are good. just flat out playing. It's and, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what, a, what a turn of events uh, for the folks over there in Columbia. It, I, I really think it's cool just for former Chattanooga coach Lamar, uh, Lamont Paris to be getting it done over there in his second season the way he is. Um, as to your assertion about Indiana State – I'm reminded of, and I'm sure he's not the only one that made it, but I'm reminded of a comment made by MTSU men's color analyst Kyle Turnham. Leave no doubt. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to leave this thing in the hands of the selection committee if you're Indiana State because they will find a way for you to not get in if you don't take care of your business. I mean... Resumes, resumes are really, unfortunately, for the major colleges. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not sure how hard a look they take at resumes if you're not the AQ coming out of a mid-major conference. And it's unfortunate, but I just think historically we've seen it. Seen it. Seen we've it. seen really, really, really good teams not get in get left out and uh we'll probably i mean we'll continue to see it someone if it's not indiana state it'll be somebody right and uh i love bracketmatrix.com they aggregate all of the polls indiana state is in 93 out of 94 potential polls uh that are or anybody that submits a poll uh maybe we should do that and get on get <laughs> aggregated oh, oh, in there this we go. Year. but the, the crazy thing is right so they're aggregated uh and they're firmly in as a 10 seed but you can't really speculate because you don't know how things will get shifted out of whack if they stub their toe in the tournament. And that's the crazy thing, as good as they are and as well as they've played all year, if you're a mid-major and if you're not one of these big, big household name year-in, year-out mid-majors, mm -hmm. one little thing goes wrong in the tournament. And that's, unfortunately, your entire season at that point. Yep. Uh, at least in terms of NCAA, you know, the big dance uh, mm -hmm. aspirations. Sure, which... Which is really all that matters. 
yeah, I mean, I yeah. was, you know, I don't want to speak for their uh, thoughts on the NIT or, you know, the CBI, but I got a feeling uh, it's it goes for them, too. It's boom or bust. They want, they want in the big dance. It's boom or bust, no question. Um, South Carolina's three losses at Clemson, at Alabama, and at Georgia, the latter two over a three-game period in early slash mid-January. The Gamecocks have won their last two, four, six, won their last seven, including that win against Vanderbilt over in Columbia on Saturday. So definitely rolling. They've got to go to Auburn tomorrow night, and then they've got LSU coming to their place on Saturday. Tomorrow night's a big game. I was going to say, you're telling me we get Auburn and South Carolina on Valentine's Day? That no, is Number 11, South Carolina at number 13, Auburn. That is a dandy of a matchup. Uh, right smack dab in the middle of the week. And that, I mean, if you got any doubts potentially about South Carolina, you go on the road and win that game as well. I mean, that's like, come on, we're – now, again, you're – you're just one step closer to, yeah, this isn't just a fun little story anymore as these guys are legit. Yeah, yeah. I think you really got to start taking them seriously, particularly if they get a win tomorrow night. Um, I reference Co-SEC co leader, South oh, Carolina. Crazy. And, I'm yeah, I'm glancing at the SEC represented on the, on the matrix here. And it is an impressive, impressive league. And, uh, we've talked about just how loaded they kind of are. SEC, Big 12, Big 10. Uh, seems like they're going to get a massive amount of teams in. And Kentucky, as it sits right now, we've talked about their slide. They're kind of sitting around to like a six or seven. And some people were even maybe whispering, uh, you know, more so probably the folks up in Lexington and, and folks that are prone to wearing blue and white. But some folks were whispering, hey, this could be a sneaky team that could get hot and maybe make a run uh, deep into March Madness. I mean, kind of challenging if you keep if you slide another game or two. Now all of a sudden you're talking about maybe falling to an eight or nine, and then it's not usually a great recipe for long-term success. It's in really the not. But here's the thing: I don't think you can ever use Kentucky and sneaky in the same phrase. Good point. You're right. I mean, I don't think there's ever a possibility that Kentucky's going to get overlooked. And, so. and the interesting thing uh, about that when you got a blue blood like that. Even if they're quote unquote down or they're in a little bit of a tailspin, it doesn't matter. The schools, uh, they're the schools. They still want to beat them just now even more. Say, guess what? We're you may be down, but now we're really trying to come after you. Well, they still want to beat them, and as we continue to talk about majors versus mid majors, they're still going to catch every break. So you you feel like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina currently projected as a five seed. Um, Man, yeah, what a story um, over. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, and tomorrow night, as you said, down at Auburn, that, that kind of borders on must-see TV. I was just thinking that. That's, that's appointment television, pretty much. They're just trying to keep up with the women. That's all they're doing. <laughs> trying, to, trying to, you know, just show they can play a little ball, too. We already know who the real team on campus is, some would say. But <laughs> they say, hey, we got a little game, too. Um, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Obviously, they had that crazy run a couple years ago, several years ago now, to the Final Four, um, and yeah, you'd kind of just written them off as as it was a fluke, and you know they're kind of back to normal. And then here we are, uh, well over halfway through the season, 
And they are absolutely rolling. They a massive are massive game tomorrow night. Uh, and the the women, twenty three and zero, following a big win on Monday against UConn. And I mean, they are heads and heads and shoulders above everybody else. Mm -hmm. It feels like. Um, and I have inadvertently pulled up last week's poll. So give me a second. And I'll be very curious. Uh, and as we kind of come down the stretch, you know, last week we had talked about also, uh, we had discussed the women's seeding and bracketology. We had talked about MTSU. We talked about Tennessee uh, and kind of just where they may end up. And last week, if our memory serves me correctly, Tennessee was actually uh, slated to be going to Boulder, Colorado in their uh, regional. That has now changed. Tennessee is they're on the bubble, mm -hmm. but in a different capacity. They're potentially on that bubble for one of the last four buys, according to ESPN, along with Washington State, Green Bay, and Texas A&M. Um, so the Lady Vols, we mentioned the win in the rundown last night versus Arkansas. They find themselves kind of potentially maybe trickling up a little bit. And I mentioned MTSU, they're currently projected as an 11 seed with the AQ and uh, going to the Baton Rouge Regional at the moment uh, where they would meet potentially Baylor in the first round. Subject to change. Subject uh, to as change, some might but, say, I, but would, yeah. I, I guess that would also be an LSU second round potential matchup there then. If you're gonna pull an upset, no. Make them count, right? There you so go. There you go. LSU, yeah, would be the three in that situation. Marshall uh, would be their first round opponent, according to ESPN.com. Very interesting. Um, any other teams of local? Where, where is Vanderbilt in that? Oh, glad you said that. And I just saw them. Vanderbilt currently also firmly on the bubble, but they, according to ESPN.com, are one of the last four teams in the tournament, along with Michigan, Auburn, and uh, Maryland. And at this current moment, uh, Vanderbilt does slide into the tournament. Would have to, uh, according to ESPN again, go in the play-in game where they would meet Maryland, and then the winner of that game uh, is still in the Louisville Regional where they would meet Utah. So Louisville, Utah, uh, Louisville meeting Fairfield in the first round. So Vanderbilt is in, at least at the moment, so a chance to kind of maybe even bolster that resume here in the last couple of weeks. It's really kind of interesting. Vanderbilt was one of the last undefeated teams in the country and not getting a whole lot of love. You know, I think Shay Ralph has done a great job down there this year. And it's funny you say that because uh, I haven't kept up with women's college hoops outside of the big, big programs and the big, big games this year. But I do vaguely remember glancing through the standings at one point earlier this year, and I was thinking, oh, Vanderbilt's there, the only undefeated team remaining. So it kind of caught my eye, kind of noteworthy. And so, yeah, they've, they've got some work to do after kind of a fast start, but uh, they're in for now. Mm -hmm. Here's an interesting tidbit that I ran across while trying to find something else. Associated press story here out of Indianapolis, a former basketball coach at Sewanee Okay. Violated NCAA rules by placing more than $93,000 in bets on college and professional sports while serving as an assistant for the men's team and head coach for the women's team. The association announced Tuesday while handing down sanctions. The Division III school, also known as the University of the South, in case there was any question which school we were talking about. Right. 
and NCAA enforcement staff agreed that over a 26-month period, the coach knowingly broke rules that ban athletic department employees from wagering on the sport in which they participate. The coach who was not identified in the NCAA's report pl placed 407 bets on college sports, totaling $28,000, including 20 wagers on women's college basketball games. None of those games included his own team. I don't know that you can get a line on Division Three women's basketball. Now, I could be wrong. That's a question for Yao and uh, maybe Terry uh, and our friends at Zen Sports because, uh, yeah, I don't – I'm not familiar with any of that uh, uh, getting put out on the web. But. I'm not. I mean, I don't keep up enough with that. Um, hey, real quick, since you mentioned uh, Sewanee, while well, I was kind of pulling up some stuff on, I was trying to find that story. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me currently who the head football coach at Sewanee is? Oh, yeah, Andy McCollum. Okay, so you were aware of that. That popped up on my radar. I missed that news headline. Yeah. So, man, 32nd ever head football coach. I don't know that he'll ha be able to repeat some of the uh, performances from the the long years ago of Sewanee, but uh, I, I did not know that. So, man, congrats yeah. to my guy Andy Mack out there. Oh yeah, yeah, he's 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 in the saddle down there running things. Um, the Tennessee Sports Wagering Advisory Council informed Sewanee about wagering activity by the coach in March 2023. Brody Curry stepped down as Suwannee's women's coach on July 14th. He previously served as an assistant coach for the men's team from 2020 to 2022. Um, the coach, who again is unidentified by the NCAA, was given a show cause order, which comes with a five-game suspension, to be served at the start of the first season of employment if he is hired by another NCAA institution over the next two years. Um, Sewanee has been placed on a year's probation and fined $1,500 um, because the coach in the school accepted the penalties, neither may appeal. So that's wild. Hmm. You know, the, uh, the optimist in me and the uh, eternal kind of wheel spinning, picture this. If I'm the president or athletic director at a university and I'm looking to turn around a program or raise some funds or make a splash, what if I'd hire a brand new baseball coach, Coach Bohannon perhaps maybe, what if I hire a brand new basketball coach and you just hire them both, and then if they get strong enough on the court, apparently you can find ways to bet on even small college games, then you could just parlay that money, and then now you could really uh, make some funds raised for your university. I'm not saying that's a great scheme, but I feel like it's a, a semi-decent uh, scheme there if you're looking to take a little risk there as an AD. Take a little risk. On that note, we will take a little break here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we come back, we will be joined by the Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters. Stay tuned. Live under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. 
Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Welcome back for Top 5 Tuesday, hour number two here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. And it's a good week to be an MTSU athletics fan, as we are now joined by the Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters. Chip, both the men's and women's basketball teams won on Saturday, and three guys got Super Bowl rings on Sunday. Not I mean, bad, huh? That's solid. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. Um, and you're rocking the rocking the. Is that a Derek Mason, Derek Mason vestie there that you got? No, this was actually navy blue. Um, and it just uh, when I saw it snowing last night at ten thirty, and I thought mm-hmm. I might need a little little extra something something today. So, can you guess where I am today, Mo? Where where am I? It looks like, well, it's it is a press box. It looks yes. like Greer, but uh, not Greer. No. I'm sorry, First Horizon. No, no. Where? No. Where are you? You 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 were right on. It, it is at a baseball field. It is a press box. What would be the logical guess? It's it's Reece not Smith, Smith Field, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, here. Okay. Right, yeah, get, get ready there? for uh, yeah home opener Friday. So uh, today is the day I'm setting up radio equipment and checking lines and and uh, and going through the list of things that are and are not working. So uh, better to do it today than Friday at two thirty before the three o'clock game. Here's the most important thing that needs to be working, as you mentioned, the ten thirty snow last night and the vest and a little extra. Is the heat working? Uh, it, you know, I think it is. Uh, I think I think it is. It's very comfortable in here right now, and and the uh, the uh, the cleaning crew is over here giving it a good 
deep clean before uh, the season gets underway on Friday, and they're pressure washing uh, the uh, concourse today. And the the team is uh, they're uh, they're on the field and they are taking ground balls, as you can see right there. There we go. And uh, so there's a little infield practice going on. Sun shining here at the Reese and uh, in ready for the Bowling Green Falcons to come flying in here on Friday. So did did Coach Myers have the tarp down last night? That I don't know, but uh, the field looks looks good. I mean, it, they uh, I do know that they did not have it down during the other snowstorm, and it worked out. Good for them. I know. I know. I know. There were some fields that had the tarp down and had to, and it was and it, it was down for what eight nine days oh. on some fields. And this one, they felt like that it was going to be better for them to let let the, let it breathe a little bit, even though there may be snow on top of it, knowing that they were going to get on it anyway. Right. So uh, right now, the infield grass looks looks really good and. Especially those areas right in front of the dugouts. It's it's in the outfield looks very lush and green at this point. So that that's 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 this early in the year. That's pretty good. Nice. Um, Three o'clock Friday, two o'clock Saturday, one o'clock Sunday. Right. That's correct. And uh, then a, a midweek trip to Alabama, and then another home series after that. So they're they're outside of the Alabama game. They're home. They're at home for the rest of the month of February. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how much starters on the bump matter first weekend because I would imagine Coach Myers is going to want to see a lot of arms. But do we know who the starters are? Not yet. They they they, they haven't uh, come out with that just yet. And I would say uh, that this week is going to be uh, the you know the, today, tomorrow, Thursday are going to be really key and. And not only who your rotation is going to be, they probably have a good idea. They're just not, you know, get, releasing that too much just yet. But they, you know, as far as their infield is concerned, because you think they, you know, they had a week that they were that were supposed to be on the field that it, that, it, that there was snow on the field. Mm -hmm. Then the following week, it rained all week. So they're, you know, they're a little bit behind as far as actual time on the field. But, but uh, you know, they fortunately. The, uh, the the Stephen Smith Clubhouse had been redone over the off season and had you know new goat turf uh, in the indoor, so they they've been able to pitch and hit. And really, the one thing that they, they really probably lost more time uh, at anything was is, is is what they're doing right now is infield and outfield practice. Chip, real quick, uh, staying with Diamond Sports, it was a tough start to the year for uh, the softball program, but I'm glancing at the schedule, 0-5, yes, but am I reading this correct? Four of the five games were one-run games as they uh, went out to California, and then they get ready to go to Florida. Maybe the West Coast, not so good for them, but maybe a chance for some better luck in the Sunshine State. Yeah, hopefully the West Coast of Florida will be better than the West Coast of California, but you're right. Four of them were one-run games, and three of them were walk-offs. So, uh, you know, that, that just adds a little extra sting to it. But, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, I think the one thing, the, the takeaway is, uh, is you, you got pretty good pitching early. The run totals were not big. I mean, there was, what, five to four, three to two, things like that. You were getting beat nine to one, things like that. 
So the pitching has been there. And, you know, hopefully as things warm up, you know, Coach Pete and Coach Stanford always used to talk about warm weather equals warm bats. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, so hopefully that's the case for them because they've got two more weekends in Florida. They go to uh, Fort Myers this weekend and they're in Madeira Beach the following weekend. And, you know, five games, they'll, get, they'll have 15 games under their belt in, in a matter of what? Uh, 16 days, something like that. So uh, that, that's that's getting some experience early and finding out what you got because your conference mm-hmm. season will start somewhere right around March 1st. As you mentioned, lost 4-3 to UC Davis, lost 8-2 to St. Mary's, 4-3 to Cal Poly, um, 5-4 to Sacramento State, and 3-2 to San Jose State. So again, um, four one-run losses, and, you know, gave up five runs or less in four of those games. Uh, yeah. You'll take that, especially first weekend of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's, that's I mean, in all, all of those teams that they played were California-based teams who did not have any weather issues uh, as far as practice is concerned. So, you know, you, you, you kind of take that with a grain of salt and move forward and, and, and get yourself right as you move through these next couple of weekends. Chip, before we shift into basketball, let's talk a little bit about this Super Bowl. Uh, Richie James, Darius Harris, and Isaiah Gathings, again, picking up Super Bowl rings with Kansas City's 25-22 overtime win over San Francisco. And for Darius Harris, it's his third. That's right. He's got got three of them now. He passed Don Griffin, uh, and so to now have three of them. And uh, what would be your guess on the total number of Blue Raiders, former Blue Raider players that have Super Bowl rings now? What, well, what would you say the total is? Now I saw the graphic, but I did okay. not count. I didn't count, so I, I actually do not know. My guess is twelve. 11, 11. Uh, so good, good, good guess there. Uh, yeah, there, there were, there were uh, 11. Ray Oldham was the first to gain one. And then, and obviously the, the, uh, the big three this year, uh, you know, and Mike Caldwell is the only former Blue Raider player who's gotten a Super Bowl ring as a coach when he was, uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay. So there's, uh, you know, so congratulations to those. That's a pretty good. That to me, that's almost as impressive as as middle having four guys in the game and three ended up winning rings uh, this year. But to have eleven overall, the, the four, by the way, uh, was not only the most in Conference USA. It was the most of any Group of Five program, and and uh, it, it, I think really something to be proud of. And those guys played well. That would play well on the recruiting trail, would it not? I would think that we will find out because I promise you it's going to be used. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, if you follow the MT Football Recruiting uh, Twitter account, uh, it, it got a lot of play on that account over the weekend for sure. Yeah, what a great uh, recruiting pitch uh, kind of to have at your disposal there, especially for obviously a uh, potential splashy hire there with Coach Mace. Hey, Chip, real quick, uh, shift gears with if you would. Uh, tell us about basketball. Obviously, we got a, a really – Strong performance over the weekend, and we got New Mexico State coming in on Thursday. Yeah, for for the guys. Um, the guys, sorry. Yeah, for the guys, it's uh, you know we had Coach McDevitt's radio show last night, and and you know the 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 second halves of 
the game at Western and the game at Liberty uh, are really the two blemishes on what has been a pretty good five game stretch. Middles won three of those. They've kind of, they've gotten themselves straightened out some, turned it over too much at, at Liberty, and 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 that one just that one got away from them. Um, same thing happened at Western in the second half, but uh, they. It, this all this kind of turnaround actually started at New Mexico State uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and and then the game at, at FIU on Saturday. You know, and I know you guys are around it enough. Sometimes, you know, winning you know winning is great. It's always a good thing, but sometimes how you win the game may pay bigger dividends than other wins. And I thought because this team was down 12 at the under 12 media timeout, found a way to come back, chip away at it. They got a couple of FIU, a couple of their best players in foul trouble and, and were able to come back, chip away at it, and then make two big plays down the stretch uh, to, you know, to, to grab the lead. One on a Jared Coleman-Jones uh, which he came back and had a double-double. And that's when Middle's been at their best during this whole streak is when the offense runs through him and runs inside out. And that's what happened against Saturday. Uh, but, you know, that and Justin Porter, who was coming off, you know, either bad cold or a mild case of the flu or something, he just wasn't feeling good uh, at Liberty. But for him to, to come and, you know, kind of put the team on his shoulders, make a big play at the end and – then a good defensive play to stop Arturo Dean on a finger roll that uh, that would that would have tied the game, and uh, you know I, th- I think that that type of win and the way they got it really I think will pay dividends for this team. And you know New Mexico State's a game they could have won. They had the lead. They were up three with five minutes to play out there, and and, and New Mexico State's lost one of their better players who has been suspended indefinitely due to. Uh, the punch he threw uh, against the Liberty player not long after middle plate out there. And then, uh, and then UTEP is, is a challenge because they are the number one team in all of college basketball at forcing turnovers. And if you remember, that was a, uh, not a, not a fun night out in the West Texas town of El Paso when middle had 27 uh, turnovers that night and, and still kind of remained in the game. So if you get home, take care of the ball, you, you'll, you'll have a shot, but you, you ball care is going to be the number one priority in both of these games, ball, ball care and, and shot selection, which, you know, I'm no James Naismith, but you know, I can still figure that out. Mm-hmm. Quiet as it's kept. Chip, for a team that was considered by many to be dead in the water, Middle has won three of its last five. They have, and and if you look at the league standings, Louisiana Tech got beat last week. Uh, things have tightened up, and you know if Middle if Middle could win two at home, then they go to Jack State, who they have beaten. They they go there next Wednesday, but there's an opportunity to. You know, you could come out of the weekend in, in fourth place if everything fell right because there's a whole lot of, you know, four, five, and six lost teams already in this first way through. And this will be game two of the second way through. And the schedule right now, it falls in middle's favor a little bit. Of seven remaining games, four at home, three on the road. And there are no two-game We've, we've played our last two-game road trip. We've got a single game next Wednesday at Jack State, 
then the following week, uh, single game on Saturday at, at La Tech, and to end the season, a single game at Sam Houston. So it, it's 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 there's a lot of meat on the bone right now, and you know Middles in a in a, an opportunity where they they have a, a chance to redeem themselves here in this second half of the season. And you've got some guys playing well at the right time. Elias King with a big game in that in that FIU win. Yeah, uh, Elias King, uh, Jared Coleman Jones has to continue to play well. Justin Porter uh, playing well, uh, and even though his point totals were down this past weekend, but but you know I don't know if I have the words to tell you just how yucky he was feeling uh, last week, but he was and. Uh, and also, Trey Green has really given them a boost with some minutes off the bench and and uh, given them a little bit of scoring punch. But uh, mostly, uh, the, the thing he, he can be counted on, he's really a good rebounder for his size and, and also plays pretty good defense. So, you know, his minutes are becoming more and more valuable to him. On the women's side, Savannah Wheeler is going to be Savannah Wheeler, right? She does Savannah Wheeler things uh, all the time. And uh, Conference USA Player of the Week, uh, another one of my faves, Courtney Whitson. She joined maybe the most elite club at middle women's basketball this past weekend. And she became only the second thousand rebound player in program history. Uh, the second. The second. She, yeah, she joined joins uh, Ebony Rowe. Hold on. I got to tell Brian Barrett to hold on. Uh, anyway, yeah, she's only the second. She and Ebony Rowe are the only thousand rebound players in program history. That's pretty I good. Would not have, I, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I would not have guessed Ebony Rowe. My guess was going to be Priscilla Robinson, but, um, either that or, or, or Holly Hoover would have been up there with me or, mm-hmm. or, or Jennifer McFall. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's solid. I think we just named a pretty good lineup right there that we could go with. We did. I don't know who's going to bring it up. But I guess Jay. But, um, yeah. Let her. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll uh, we, we, we'll recruit Kim Webb. Let her okay. do that. So, and we didn't even include Alicia Clark. So, well, she was only there two years. That's 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this team is 19 and four right now. You talk about second time through the conference. What are they? Nine and zero in conference play now. Mm-hmm. They are. They're nine and zero, uh, and they've got seven left. And they they've got three at home, four on the road during during this time period. So, um, so you know they go to New Mexico State and and um, and UTEP. They play New Mexico State Thursday night in Las Cruces. UTEP over the years has been a little bit of a thorn in their side, but I, but right now Middle's playing so well and they've got so many weapons. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you want to try to pack it in on them, they'll shoot you out of that. And if you try to run them off the three-point line, they'll go inside. So uh, this is maybe his best balanced team that he's had and, and and right now they're they're and they're all locked in playing the way they want to play and, and moving moving ahead. So, you know, I you know I think they're going to go into the into the conference tournament. Uh, what twenty six and four? You know they've got seven left. I think I think you know I would. I'm not going to say I'd be shocked. I would say I'd be surprised if 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 they don't go into the conference tournament with 
26 and four, 25 and five, something like that. And, you know, for all of the people that you talk about on this team, Tamia Scott feels like she has kind of become an X factor. She has. I mean, she brings it every day. And and the thing is, her skill package is probably the most diverse, the, the, the most diverse of any of those. Uh, you know, Savannah Wheeler is, 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 is what she is. But she's not the rebounder that Tamia Scott is, uh, you know. So there, there's there's a lot of that, you know. Tamia may not be the overall shooter that Jalen Gregory is, but you know, I would say Tamia and Courtney Whitson are, are probably the best overall players that have the size to to rebound and and also have have the other other skills that go along with it but you know of the five that they start and the seven that they play mostly there, there's not a lot of weakness in, in in that lineup right now you just mentioned something that i wonder how concerning it is clearly it's not terribly concerning to the folks that matter seven person rotation um where is fatigue in terms of being a factor? Well, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, 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 and that, you know, and everybody kind of shortens their bench a little bit at this time of year, uh, it was especially when you get to conference tournament time. But, you know, it's it's not it's not that unusual to see middle play seven or eight. And, you know, and, and here, you know, when they've got had some games get out of hand, they've gone deeper to try to give those folks – you know, that are getting a lot of minutes, give them some rest. But, you know, he's one of those guys, Coach Ensel is one of those guys that that for you to be out there, he's got to have his, you know, he's got to have his trust of what you're going to do. And, uh, and, and you know, they're, they're not above making a statement around this league, and they've done that so far this year <laughs> in the way that they have, have jumped out here. Now that they have, you know, they've swept FIU, who was uh, pretty – much thought of as the second best team in the league. The uh, the the second other, best. Yeah, at, at at least one bracketologist thought they were the best team in the league. Well, that was weeks three, three weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, and uh, that was before the thirty point beatdown mm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. But you know the the from people who saw the game against Liberty here. Uh, they, you know, talk about how Liberty probably has the best makeup of a team that can challenge middle a little bit. And they did for a good portion of the game here in Murfreesboro. But, uh, you know, Lady Raiders have to go go to Liberty and that'll be a tough 40 minutes. It's a tough environment to play in. They draw well. They're loud. And, and it, it will be a similar atmosphere for them to play in that opponents have to play in when they come to Murphy Center. Chip, while we got you here real quick, uh, give us an update. We kind of clo- opened with a little football discussion, but I know they kind of are tinkering with some things, getting ready to kind of get some stuff going. Uh, what's the latest on MT football at the moment? Well, I, I think one thing that they've done, uh, I, I think you're, they're looking at spring games somewhere around April 13th. Um, so I know there's some schools that are starting spring ball like this week or next, yeah, yeah. but I, I think Coach Mason has kind of pushed things back just a little bit because, you know, new staff, all of that, 
and uh, I, I think they're going to start about the third week of March and get those 15 practices in during a, a, a matter of three and a half weeks or so, as opposed to stretching it out over four or five weeks. And, and, uh, and, and, and so we're waiting to hear more details on that, but I think that's kind of the, uh, the, the general uh, look at what the calendar is. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just right now doing off-season work. And if you follow the, the football Twitter account, there have been some really good videos up of, of uh, Coach Blatnick, the, the, uh, the strength coach, uh, I mean, uh, demonstrating some of the stuff in the weight room. Then mm-hmm. his demonstrations are pretty impressive. And, uh, and also uh, some snippets out of, out of uh, team meetings, which uh, have been pretty interesting to see. How close, Chip, is the staff to be incomplete? Do you know? I think it's – well, I think all the full-time guys are done. There may be some GAs or things like that, but all the full-time position coaches are done. That That's all completed. Any holdovers? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think here right now. Um, well, Dustin Royston was going to be, but he went to Murray State. Uh You've got uh, you've got you got staff holdovers right now, but it looks like I think everything else is new. I, okay. I'm I'm going blank right now, but but there you go. Okay, all right. Well, great. The Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters, joining us as he does virtually every Tuesday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. You can find him on Twitter at Choose Chip and. If you're looking for an abode, be sure and reach out to him. And do just that. Choose Chip. Choose mm-hmm. Chip. Chip, we appreciate you. We'll see Thank you next boys. Tuesday. Thank you, All right. See you. When we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, it's the grab bag. Stuff that we need to talk about. Got to get discussed. But not a lot. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA.
With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's Top 5 Tuesday, and in the final segment of the day, we will be giving you our Top 5 individual Super Bowl performances. So again, we're going to get to that here in a, in a bit. Right now, it's the grab bag. Things that kind of popped up on our radar that we need to get to. One of them being... Former Marshall County High School, Mr. Football, Dante Hightower, who went on to play collegiately at Alabama and professionally with the New England Patriots, is returning to the latter as linebackers coach under newly named head coach Gerard Mayo, Ooh. who played the same position, by the way. Man. Yeah. That's... Um, uh, Dante retired um, a couple of years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last March. Last March, yeah. Last March, okay. Um, did not play the 2020 season um, in light of the pandemic that was going on. And then, um, again, announced his retirement last March following the 2022 season. But... Um, is headed back as linebacker's coach, I guess, at the request of the new head coach, Gerard Mayo. I don't know if he was back in Lewisburg. Mm -hmm. um, he had kind of um, relatively fallen off the radar, I guess, after he retired, but keeping a pretty low profile. Regarded as one of the best linebackers in Patriots history, a group that also includes Andre Tippett, Mike Vrabel, Steven Nelson, and Teddy Bruschi, among others. Um, and again, these two guys played together for a short period of time. Um, Hi and I have always had a great relationship. I was older. He was like a young pup, Mayo said, um, last year prior to ascending to the head coaching role. Mm -hmm. But he was very smart, he was very athletic. I got a chance to play beside him, I got a chance to coach him. There aren't many people like Hightower in terms of just his smarts. I think that gets overlooked a lot with High. High is a very smart football player. And so, Coach Mayo is expecting 
high to pass some of those smarts along to the next generation of Patriot backers. So This kind of uh, is a bit of a surprise to me because I'm like you, uh, Dante had kind of kept a little bit of a low profile. Um, he had, had gone back and kind of active a little bit in Lewisburg, um, kind of just maybe, I guess, plotting his next move. I didn't necessarily hear any whispers or hadn't heard any kind of inkling that he was maybe thinking about getting into coaching and then poof. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a first gig. There you uh, go. Linebackers coach of the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, him and For Mayo. your coaching debut, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, yeah, you got to really... Uh, we see some coaches, they really have to grind their way up to the top. But uh, talk about Hightower. That's a great uh, spot for him to land. And him and Mayo, yeah, just two of the all-time greats at the position with the franchise there. That, that'd be a fun combo seeing them two together, I think. Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm looking now at an article on the Patriots website, and the the comments that we referenced were from an interview from last year mm -hmm. that Mayo had about Dante. He also said at that time, I think Hightower would be a phenomenal coach, so we'll see. When I get a chance to run my own ship, I'll try to recruit him. He did, and he did. Yep. So, And uh, kind of like how um, nobody really knew the terms and stipulations of Mayo's contract, uh, they were telling us exactly what was going to happen a year ago, and Clearly, we just, uh, none, of us, none of us knew it, man. Or, or none of us were paying attention, I don't guess. I don't know. Selected in the first round of the 2012 draft out of Alabama, I didn't realize this, Hightower had a scoop and score in his very first game. It's one way to make an impact. Yeah, that's a... Uh... Talk about busting onto the scene. Yeah, and, and continued making plays from that point forward, I guess. So um, I'll say this, too. It was, uh, you know, we're a little biased, obviously. We have to cover him and, and kind of watch him play at a local level, so I always kind of root for those guys. But it even kind of blew me away a little bit the how kind of beloved he is with that franchise. Um, I just wasn't – expecting him to i knew he was going to be an elite nfl player i didn't know that he would yet be kind of just so universally beloved in new england and boom here we are he's going to be universally uh, i think uh welcomed in uh to the fold there so what a continued kind of career step for him absolutely it, it's fun to see it's it's always nice man when you get to see these local guys continue to do things on a national level like that, I've always gotten a kick out of that. So that's pretty cool. And, I, and I've heard good things. Like I said, been back, kind of back in Lewisburg a little bit um, and kind of like Shaq here in Columbia, mm -hmm. kind of active in the community, uh, maybe not to the uh, degree in terms of publicity, but uh, I've heard nothing but good things about the community and him still being involved. Now, I believe it's his cousin, uh, Kel Hightower, is either a freshman or sophomore and had a really good year. So I if I remember correctly, came to a couple games this year, kind of supporting him. Um, and so really cool story, like we said, him getting kind of picked up. And Tennessee fans may groan a little bit, but, you know, everybody else, if you can put that to the side, I think this is, this is a really neat uh, angle for us here. Well, locally. the good thing is if he does well, then Gerard does well. That, then that's so, a good way of looking at it. You're you exactly go. right there. There you go. Rookie Victor Wimbenyama. In the news, following his performance last night against Toronto, triple-double, 27 points, 14 boards, 10 blocks. 
Also five assists and two steals in the Spurs 122-99 win. But it's the 10 blocks that makes particular news for Wembenyana as he becomes the second youngest player in NBA history with double-digit blocks in a game. That is, is bonkers. And I am kicking myself. Uh, um, duty called. Had to, had to uh, cover the Lady Bobcats last night. I hate when that happens. But I was uh, <laughs> getting blown up with some text. Uh, are, you, are you seeing this? You know, the League Pass uh, watchers were kind of hitting me up. And who, here's, here's some more to put it into context. And then uh, since we there's always a local tie, I'll, I'll make another point at the end of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is from Stat Muse on Twitter. These are the last three players that have had a 25, 10, 5, and 10 block game. Spoiler, they're the only three players. And it's David Robinson and Hakeem and now Wimby. And then last night with that triple-double, he also buried his 75th three-pointer, 150th assist, 150th block. He's the first player ever to have those that trio of stats in oh, NBA history, what, and he's done it in 48 games. Now hit me again. 75 threes, 150 assists, 150 blocks. And he's the only player in NBA history to have achieved that feat, and he's done it in 48 games. And the point I was going to make with the local angle was there was some chatter last night. This guy's going to end up being the first ever, in, I assume the first ever at least, in NBA history to record a quad double. But we remember our guy Lester Hudson at UT Martin years ago at, uh, for the Skyhawks. He notched, the, at that time, I want to say the first one ever, maybe still one of the, the only ones level? ever at the collegiate level. So if you tell me tomorrow that Wimby's going to have a, a quad double after watching what we saw last night, yeah, the, sure. the sky, and this is why obviously so much expectations were kind of placed on this guy. And, you know, some folks have kind of, Tuned out a little bit because the team was not great. Yeah, right. the rest of the team is not necessarily great by any stretch. They're actually pretty bad. But this is an which, which insane... Makes, which makes five assists even more impressive. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a guy that can go out and hit your five passes, uh, yeah. whether it's a shot or a layup. And at times this year, that's been a real stretch. So <laughs> what a show last night. This guy is just a, a, a walking highlight reel. And like I said, I was hate I had to miss it. But uh, holy moly, what a triple-double. Wimbenyama is just the fourth rookie to record a triple-double with blocks. Mark Eaton and Ralph Sampson each did it in 83. David Robinson did it three times in 1990, which means four of your six triple-doubles with blocks were recorded by Spurs. It's what they do, apparently. Apparently, that is what they do, yeah. Um, and he, his 10 blocks is one more than the career high of nine set by Tim Duncan. Whew. This dude's keeping some pretty significant co company here. You know, um, and uh, we talked to Pete Pranica from the Grizzlies just about an hour ago, and mm -hmm. we mentioned the All-Star Weekend coming up. He is going to be participating uh, in the Skills Challenge. And I was, as I'm reading the story about his selection, I'm trying to think. I don't know that anything would necessarily preclude him. Maybe there's a rule that you couldn't participate in all the events. But number one, I was trying to vision. Number one, I was thinking watching him in the skills is going to be amazing. And then I thought it would be hilarious and awesome to see him in the dunk contest just for, well, being as tall as he is, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And then I was like, he could also be a decent competitor, if not a potential favorite, in the in the three point contest. Mm -hmm. So I don't. If there's not a rule for this next year, we need to get him somehow, whatever it takes, to get him in all three. In events. all of them, in yep. everything. Yeah, I mean, he he's got the full array of skills. Let's see him. Um, the youngest player, obviously, to record a triple double with blocks. Twenty years and forty days. He's. 20 years old, and he just turned 20. Mental. When whoever came up with the phrase, the sky's the limit, had to have this guy in mind. Well played. And he's only busted it out a few times, uh, to my knowledge, this year. But his game is just so crazy. He's got this move where he can basically shoot a running three off of one leg. And it's, it's basically impossible to block his shot as is. Mm -hmm. But when he goes to that move, it's literally impossible. And you're thinking, oh, well, this is almost a, this is a shot you would see when the shot clock is running down, right? Mm -hmm. But it's his, it's just a move he has. And he only has, like I said, attempted it a couple times this year, but he's drained everyone <laughs> that I've seen at least. And it's, he's worth tuning in as bad as the Spurs are just to see if something like this could happen. Dude, and presumably they're going to get better. Due to the cheat code. Walking cheat code. <laughs> Ted Leonisis could use a cheat code. Could he ever? Because the owner of the Washington Wizards and Washington Capitals looking to move both to Alexandria, Virginia, is meeting with some resistance on the part of some Virginians, apparently. Um, Virginia Senator L. Louise Lucas said that the proposed Virginia Senate bill that was meant to fund a potential new arena won't be approved, at least not as currently constructed. As long as the full faith and credit of the Commonwealth is backing this project, my answer continues to be an absolute no. That's pretty unequivocal. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I mean, she, there's, there's no wiggle room there. No. And yeah, how many statements do we see come out where there's usually a little, a, a little, little room? A little, a little leeway. No. Uh -uh. We, we are not doing this. I, I will not allow it. So um, back in December, Leonisis announced plans along with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin to move both teams out of Washington into Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, it was controversial then. Clearly it continues to be. Um, the project as proposed would include a $2 million sports district where the arena would be along with a 3,000 seat music venue hotels and headquarters for Leonisis's business, Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Um, but like we said, it's, it apparently becomes a Lee Corso kind of thing. Not so fast, my friend. Hold the phone, Joan, as uh, yeah. some would say. And to me, uh, you know, at, at the footnote here, Funding were to get approved, construction could begin early 25 and then move in 28. Mm -hmm. And it, it would just be sad. Uh, 
for the for the local fans. It's always sad for the local fans, but just especially after the uh, Warriors have moved, and that was met with a lot of resistance, and it just seemed that it kind of got pushed through despite that resistance. This would be also kind of sad. Uh, well, and and the ongoing drama with the Oakland Athletics yeah. and their move. I mean. It's wild that pro sports isn't as international, is not as accepted as some of these owners might expect necessarily, because there's always a check on the other end of it, I guess. And it, it really is just, that's the real thing, is it's always frustrating because usually if nothing else, this is coming down to just leverage between the owners and just somebody cap, capitalist uh, mm -hmm. endeavors coming out. It's just frustrating every time you read whether it's a stadium dispute or i'm threatening to move the team really to me all of it ends up just kind of being posturing either for a new deal or more money from the city council or so, things of that nature mm -hmm. and it's just always uh always kind of sad to see kind of how it plays out because usually ends up more often than not there's very few owners you know they're actually funding whole stadiums uh, right. by themselves at that point all right when we come back Wizards nine and forty four. By the way, just hmm. they said the Wizards are nine and forty four. Just oh. for a final uh, note, maybe there. that's why Virginia doesn't want them. <laughs> we actually just don't want them. Just, not we, because we don't want a team. Just don't we, want we that team. We just don't want that team. There we go. <laughs> it's top five Tuesday when we come back here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay with us. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, I'm no. like, apologies in advance. It sounds like SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. Yeah. 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 radio too. <laughs> As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So and we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Coach. Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving. You gotta love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone. Come on. We. Hey, boys. Mm, mm, mm. My goodness me. Lord, Lord. Mark, I, I, cut that. I just don't know what to say. Um, that was Chris Yao. I am Maurice Patton. That is Wade Neely. And we are here on the Top 5 Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and & Joint. And clearly, Chris is just too busy for us today. You know, I glanced up, it was when uh, Chip Walters was with us earlier, and you were uh, asking a question. I looked across the hall and I said, is that who I think that is? And yeah, Mr. Yao is in the building. He's in and the- And we sent him a photo of him hard at work and he didn't even, didn't even register. So that even, tells you how hard working he, that young man, man is. He was, he was intensely looking at something. Um, spreadsheets maybe, like you said. Mm, but yeah. I mean, I'm just shocked. Really, 
that Chris Yao is in the building and not on the show. Mm. Particularly on Top 5 Tuesday. I mean, this, this is what I, I, when he popped up in there just now. I uh, figured he was just going to. Yeah. Yeah. He must not have a good top five prepared. He probably. Mine's not great, but his must not be. He may not have a good top five prepared. And it's, it's understandable because it's a pretty tough one. Top five Super Bowl individual performances on the field, in the game, not halftime. We, we've done that one before. But um, top five player performances in the big game. So let's see what we come up with. And if y'all got any thoughts, hit us up with them at MS underscore sports today on Twitter or X, however you care to refer to it. But Wade, I will let you start. Uh, that is mighty kind of you. And I'm going to have to go right out of the gate. Uh, Maybe the greatest statistical Super Bowl, one of the greatest statistical Super Bowl performances of all time. And I have this uh, Sports Illustrated cover still at my house, and it's etched into my childhood memory. Give me Steve Young absolutely throttling the Chargers. 325 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, and also 49 rushing yards. On yeah, yeah. And, uh, and what was the stat? Was that right? Did I hear that the other night, that Mahomes was the first quarterback? to lead his team in passing and rushing uh, in the Super Bowl since Steve Young. Sounds right. Uh, I, th I think I got that right. And, you know, obviously neither one ran for a, a substantial amount of yards, but it just shows how effective they were mm -hmm. uh, throwing and running, I suppose. So I'll take Steve Young over the Chargers as my first selection. That's, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to stay with quarterbacks. I'm going to go back to Super Bowl twenty two. Doug Williams riddled Denver for 340 yards and four touchdowns in a 42-10 victory, throwing it around for the Redskins, which is what they were then, so it's okay. But yeah, Doug Williams is Icon my, Iconic uh, performance. It really was, yeah. Wasn't that he just broke barriers, uh, but it, man, just absolutely delivered in every sense of the word there. I know. Leave no doubt. Yes. As we said earlier mm -hmm. in the show about something else. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly the best player on the field that Sunday. That was awesome to watch. Second pick for me, I'm going to stay with a little recent, not in the super uh, recent, but I'm, I'm going to go Terrell Davis. Had an electric performance for the uh, Broncos, rushing for 157 yards with a Super Bowl record three touchdowns. And I found this stat, I don't necessarily know that they were, I guess they were playing back then, but somebody has pointed out that would equate to roughly 33 and a half fantasy football points uh, for those that would have potentially been playing <laughs> Super Bowl fantasy, I suppose. Uh, and so TD, kind of the, uh, you know, Elway gets a lot of the praise and, you know, has the, the highlights that kind of live on forever. But what an electric performance and uh, career Terrell Davis and capped with uh, that performance there. In Super Bowl 32. 32 in a 31-24 win over the Packers. And he did that, 157 rushing yards, three touchdowns with a migraine. Yeah. Um, I remember I was just kind of blown away. I'm like, how could you even possibly think about playing a physical sport like that and then delivering that type of performance? Well, I guarantee you he made Green Bay's head hurt. So, um, staying with running backs. I'm going to go back to that Super Bowl 22 that 
42-10 Washington win over Denver because if Doug Williams had not been MVP, Timmy Smith would have been. 22 carries, 204 rushing yards, and a pair of touchdowns in that victory. So Williams and Smith accounted for all six touchdowns for the Redskins in that win over Denver. Yeah, that's my number two. I, uh, this is a homer pick. Not the greatest of stat lines, but the legend and the aura kind of, in my mind, make it one of the greatest performances. As a Jets fan, give me Broadway Joe delivering the guarantee. Mm -hmm. His stat line, again, not that great. 17 of 28 passing for 206 yards. He did win MVP. Uh, he was the first player in Super Bowl history, which I guess it was only Super Bowl three, mm -hmm. but he was MVP without actually scoring or throwing a touchdown in that game, which I didn't necessarily realize till just now, but now I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head. How do you win MVP if you don't even throw a, or pat, or rush a touchdown? You don't account for a touchdown. Jeez. I'm about to, do, you, you, you I'm about to go back and watch the tape a little more on I Super guess, Bowl three, I suppose. I guess you got to be Joe Namath, probably. 16-7 to 7 was the final score mm -hmm. in that game. And so, yeah, not a lot of scoring. But to me, that would uh, lead to the case for the touchdowns that were scored more than anything. It would seem. That's interesting. Um... My number three, Jerry Rice had 11 catches for 215 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers Super Bowl 23 win over Cincinnati, mm -hmm. 20 to 16. That's as good a game on as big a stage as you're gonna see a receiver have. So Jerry Rice is my number three. Number three. Uh so I've got Steve Young, I've got Terrell Davis, I've got Joe Namath. This one may sting for a fan base, but we mentioned a great performance, but in a poor way. What if I chose the Atlanta Falcons as a team being up 28-3? to And I know I knew it was going to draw some, some ire there, but Man. it was a performance. Yep. And in one sense, it was great. Just not in it their was, favor. It was greatly disappointing. How's that? Well said. Uh, <laughs> when we were kind of racking our brains on these, I was like, well, that was a performance, and it was something, and it was notable. It um, was definitely something. I will take the Atlanta Falcons and uh, just have to hmm. uh, deal with any unfortunate resident. Hey, ATL I, 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 I think at this point, Falcons fans are kind of resigned to the ridicule. Yeah. Was... But... As I said yesterday, I think Kyle Shanahan kind of jinxed himself with that one. That one kind of is on his shoulders. No doubt. And some of the similarities from that game, at least to me, started popping up, up early in the second half when they're kind of abandoning the run. Some things are just feeling a little eerie. And then how about that? You got a, one of the greatest of all time quarterbacks yet again, Brady then, Mahomes now, mm. just waiting in the wings. And we saw what happened. Shanahan going Shanahan, huh? Woo! Yeah, that's that's one that'll sting with you. And the worst part, not only do you lose the game, obviously, since it was the Super Bowl, it's going to just live on highlight tapes forever. It's oh, it's it's not going away. It's it's that kind of a loss does not go away until you win. Yep. For the Falcons, for Shanahan, it it you got to win to push that one back. It's never going to go away. Mm -mm. But to just push it back in people's memories, you got to win something. Otherwise, it's going to be right there. Yeah, you're going to need, need to win maybe multiple just to even 
kind of slightly yeah to, really move it further back uh, to, to get people to stop saying yeah but yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. um my my list to this point has kind of reflected my age, I think. I'm going to bring it forward just a little bit. Super Bowl 52, Nick Foles throws for 373 yards and three touchdowns and also caught one. In Philadelphia's 41-33 win over New England. Catching a touchdown, throwing a touchdown. Didn't realize he threw for that many yards in that game as well. Mm -hmm. That's He was winging it around. That's a pretty gaudy stat line. 373. Uh, for Foles, an iconic play to go with it too. Mm -hmm. on the, the Philly reception. special. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great selection there. Yeah. And, uh, and Hertz had a good Super Bowl last year. Mm -hmm. uh, just unfortunately, obviously, in in a losing effort. Right. Otherwise, he might be a strong selection. For my last pick, I'm going back to the Homer well, but I, I vividly remember this Super Bowl and I vividly remember this performance. I'm going Desmond Howard who still to this day is the only Super Bowl MVP, mainly predominantly on special teams. We talked on this show last week about Hester mm -hmm. and his return ability. Same deal here with Howard being the MVP because of his special teams work. 244 yards, including a 99-yard touchdown that sealed the win uh, for the Packers in 31 uh, versus the Patriots. That's strong. Um... I probably should go with Tom Brady in Super Bowl 51 and that overtime victory over Atlanta, but I'm not. Marcus Allen had 191 rushing yards and a pair of touchdowns in Super Bowl 28, I'm sorry, Super Bowl 18, as the Raiders defeated Washington 38-9 and at the time obviously one of the greatest individual performances and still holds up. Yeah. No, when, you, when, you, when you approach 200 rushing yards with a pair of touchdowns on that stage. Stout. Solid, to say the least. That is our top five Super Bowl individual performances here on Top 5 Tuesday brought to you by Mid-South 5 Fitness, whatever shape it is that you're in, Mid-South 5 Fitness will get you better. They've got locations both in Columbia and in Franklin. You can find them on social media channels at Steel Athletes, S-T-E-E-L, Athletes. So look them up. You were getting ready to say something. What about a honorable mention, if nothing else, for an individual performance, Whitney Houston with the national anthem in the <laughs> Super Bowl? Iconic Super Bowl performance. That was opinion. it was a iconic Super Bowl performance, and you can still hear it at high schools across the country. <laughs> Fair point. Maybe I'll hear it at Magnet tonight. You may very well. Um, that's going to do it for today's Main Street Sports Today. Tomorrow, two o'clock, join us. We will have Heather Williams talking a little NASCAR. We will have Joe Sullivan talking a little Indiana State and local college basketball as well so um and i'm not sure what else but between now and then well, we've got we got 22 hours to come up with something to we, talk about we can find something i believe we will and i believe it'll be interesting check back and see we'll see you guys tomorrow at two o'clock